Hello world, welcome back to Centered Subject, the existential entertainment hour. We're back as a Yelena and a Jenny. Uh-huh. I always have trouble with articles actually and writing, but I guess it now entered my spoken <laughs> vocabulary as well. <laughs> um, yeah, we're here today, excited about life. It's 11.30 p.m. in Athens. Mm. What time is it in New York? It's 4.30 p.m., but it feels later. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was just the it was just the fallback. Oh. The daylight savings time happened in America. I don't think we have that. I think, um, I think Eurozone abandoned it. Yeah. Which is good, because I think it's a bit jarring to the body. It is. So, yeah, no, none of that here. But yeah, I'm happy to be here today. We center upon immensely relevant topics pertaining to privacy and anonymity, but also forced, a kind of forced transparency mm. that comes with living in the digital era and that contributes to the chaotic uncertainty of our existence. Yeah. Um, I said we'd start talking about it by discussing screenshot culture. Yeah. Do you screenshot messages ever? I have before, yeah. It is a little bit akin to the using a friend to check your tone of an email kind of thing yeah. that we were talking about last week, usually just to get a second read on a conversation. But yeah, it's interesting because before there were texts and screenshotting, of anything, you would just tell someone your own version and it like resided in the ether to some extent. Mm-hmm. And someone would reflect back what they thought. But the fact that there's an artifact of that and you've sent mm-hmm. it breaks the confidentiality to some extent of like each of these interactions, right? Because there's a there's an artifact. I agree. Yeah, there's a there's a portrait of each interaction, a kind of map. Yeah. Well, we just become such a such a more writerly society. Everyone's writing text all the time. I guess that's a good reason to send a voice note. Although, of course, you can forward the voice note as well. Can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've done it. I've done that before. <laughs> full full exposure. It's always kind of such a big contrast between the perceived privacy of the experience, mm-hmm. whereas it's a conversation between people contained to you know, your palm, your eye, like it's just very intimate, close to the body. And then it expands beyond once you start screenshotting it and sending it around. It's awful a bit, right? Because the other person doesn't know, usually. They never know. Yeah, I have two things. I was just getting some of my technology to work. They were like too full of images. And I noticed there's just the fact that everything that you send, if you send it to more than one person... It's it's replicated so that it's on your hard drive of of your technology. So you mean your iCloud? Oh, you're just saying yeah, that to your, to your or folder. like yeah. on the well, maybe me. Like I have this iPad that I use as like a backup when my phone isn't working, and you yeah. know, so it's like I'll have to go through it and look at things, and I'll notice that I sent. It's usually like pictures of my nephews or something, but it's like, you know, or like some image of something. I've sent it to like two or three people, but I don't think of it like that. I don't think of it as, a, as an object, as an artifact that takes up space. So it was interesting to track my data use. I think it's like part of how using technology has become partly like we're kind of robots to some extent because we don't even think of it as having any repercussions or I don't think of it necessarily, you know, Yeah, because it's just so part of our thought process. Right. Yeah. It's part of the thought process. It's also part of the legalese process. I, I Googled um, screenshots mm. 
it's just I put in the, the word screenshot and I googled it and then so many came up. Um, just so many images of screenshots came up, but also so many different news articles. Yeah, um, that detailed some scandal. Right, and it was you know the language is leaking. They leaked a screenshot. Right, but it I think there's something strange about the internal boundary, the kind of moral compass that I think has. Mm-hmm. Shifted, yeah. You know, it's sharing private correspondence. Yeah, there's just a lack of tact about it. Agreed. Or we think that because it's like not face to face in the same way that it doesn't. Or they would never know. Have the same. Yeah, that doesn't have the same moral boundaries to some extent. Like I just, I just watched the Michelle Carter documentary. I was like really late to watch that. I love you now. Die, and. um Everybody I know has already seen it. I don't like murder documentaries, but what I really liked about it was that it was about texting and psychology and this Mm. teenage relationship. And that was what it was all about was like the litigation of what a text is and can a text be like a reason that somebody commits suicide or what does it stand for? And then there was this great discussion of how the way she was texting with him was different because it was texting, because it was from far away. And she didn't really understand the meaning of her. I mean, she was mentally ill. He was mentally ill. But, like, they weren't understanding the consequences of their actions in the same way possibly they would in person. And so litigating it was different. Well, it's kind of writing a fiction in a sense. And and then it becomes becomes reality. Yeah, she included actual language from Glee. (laughs) She would text him lines from Glee that she just watched and she would use the exact same language. It's sort of saying in some ways that like we live in these fantasy worlds to some extent, just like most humans do. In a quoted world as well, where we just quote everything around us and then quote the text messages and send them around. Yeah. And this kind of technology feeds us in uh, talking to people as if they're in our own head, that they're they're kind of in our own internal world. And so we're... Yes, that everyone is a sort of character just put in your mind. It's this ultimate version of solipsism where none of it is somehow truly alive. Oh, but have you you ever had it... um, This is always my fear that I screenshot a conversation um maybe a romantic interest you know and instead of sharing it with a girlfriend i will send it to them i have you have that ever happened to you <laughs> they heard of someone no i someone told me a story where something like that happened and you know they sent this screenshot it was it was not a romantic interest it was someone that was annoying oh, and dear. the screenshot was made to showcase the annoyingness Uh-oh. of this of this other person uh-huh. and so the excuse but then you know um this friend had to come up with an excuse and she said oh my phone suddenly died i wasn't sure if you got my last message you know so i just texted it to you oh god um, which is such a, you know, blatantly obvious. It's just somehow not how things work. You know, we no. just all know it. But I no. think the other person had to play along because what do you do? What do you even say? You have become an object. You have become an object of, of scorn or affection. And so you have to participate in this strange dance. Yes. Oh my God. Of this politesse. Yeah. I will say, though, I mean, yeah, a lot comes up thinking uh, about this. But, you know, in the pre-telephone era, there were all those letters that were sent back and forth. And that was like the main way anyone communicated what up until the telephone. (laughs) I long to write a letter to someone. Yeah, well, 
you may. Those got passed around and read by everyone, you know? Like, that's like the whole... Oh, well, we just love gossip. Right. I think we're, we're such creatures of gossip, and it is one of the most, I think, favorite pastimes for humans. I'm going to just go ahead and make that right. large statement, because I think it's true. Well, we do. I mean, it, it's biologically, like... <laughs> It's important to us. I know this is real that that there it comes from the liver. <laughs> it ha- well, it's like okay. So according to what I have learned about biology things, it's like our social bonds to our community, which originally was supposed to be a community of like 20, 20, 30 people, um, are we're programmed to to keep closely bonded with one another um, with t- with twenty people and keep ourselves like important to that community. And unfortunately, part of that sometimes has to do with like ostracizing others to raise your own status. Oh, unfortunately, Oof. yeah, it, which is like a very bonobo kind of thing. Like they did that kind of shit. They do that shit all the time. And that's like our version of it. And but some of it is interesting. I find like oh, cancel culture. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. But now that we have these societies of hundreds of people, or even friend networks of like a hundred people, two hundred, yeah. three hundred, a thousand people, it's like you can't really understand each of those yeah. social connections and modulate them. It's really complicated. I think I think our technology, our social interactions, like have outmoded our ability to understand them fully and certainly to like navigate them morally. Yeah. It's like we're kind of yeah, out of our depths, I think. It's true. And obviously the person who's the most out of his depth yeah. in a deep, deep ocean, um, is of course our leader <laughs> and the leader of the free country yeah. of America. Yeah, he's way down at the bottom like, of, the the bottom depth, of the ocean. Or, yeah, yeah, he's just well, he's in the depth, he plunged. He's just very deeply in there. in the yeah. abyss of He's so deeply in the abyss that the compass, the moral compass, just doesn't work. It's, it's just floating at the top. <laughs> floating at the top. There's no north, With all the no cheeseburger, south. Yeah. Cheeseburger wrappers. No east, no west. East and west have colluded together. <laughs> I had a lot of fun reading a story, I think it was yesterday, about Trump wanting to read the Ukraine call transcript in a TV fireside chat. I was <laughs> ecstatic when I read it because I always, I think I love to perform the, you know, the political, the solo political performance when when the strongman comes up on the screen, you know, at, sitting at a table with mm-hmm. strategic objects that are meant to symbolize powerful messages in the mind yeah but this was so amazing because he really said i really can't wait to you know read it out loud he said at some point i'm going to sit down perhaps as a fireside chat on live television and i will read the transcript of the call because people have to hear it when you read it it's a straight call but i think what's interesting here is the setting you know it's really going to be like a one-man play and is he going to read it in you know in the accents and the voices and just, just yeah it's kind totally of like well. also seasonal you know it's kind of christmasy there's like you know the holiday yeah. season is almost upon us and just trump sitting by the fire oh. yeah setting us straight setting us not fake setting us straight but mr Zelensky is not invited i have to mention like so, oh, it's no. just his version of it. Yeah, his little. Maybe radio they could planet. both perform it. You know, Zelensky. He would do a better job. He's a more trained actor. Yeah, it's true. But both are television stars, so you know. Right, but I think Zelensky had a longer. Didn't he play the president for longer, or maybe not? I'm not yeah. sure. Had they had the equal acting experience with the president? <laughs> it's irrelevant. 
It's oh, a yeah, tragic, sorry, sorry. tragically <laughs> relevant question. Tragically relevant. <laughs> tragically yeah. irrelevant. Tragically irrelevant. So he was really upset by his own privacy being affected as if he has any privacy as the president now, you know? It's like right. he thinks that he was being oppressed by the way that private call was interpreted to not be... It's like his giant screenshot was shared. Yeah, his exactly. It got sent around. His voice note was sent around to the world. Yeah, and he wants you to so know that it was perfect and straight. Perfect, perfect like, voice note. It's really strange. Strange man. And everyone else did things wrong and he did nothing wrong. So to add to the homie image, Trump included a dog in his recent uh, imagery because, you know, Americans love dogs. Sharing, yes, yes. And war and did a great job being awkward about privacy too, right? Wait, but he also, he, it was a photoshopped image. Yeah. It was a photoshopped image of Trump himself awarding a a retired military medic. So... The photograph is a doctored photograph where the medic is replaced by a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't mind. He really didn't. The dog has the the tongue stuck out. Yeah. And then what happened with Trump and the privacy? He like, yeah, he didn't realize it, but he accidentally unclassified or told the name of the classified dog's name. Classified dog was a spy. Yeah, exactly. I want to know why that dog's name is so important, though. I'm sorry, but I'm sure it was a great crime that our president did. There's no other dog named Conan, Jenny. Oh, okay. So wait, is there like a spy on the other side that is, you know, like he cracked the case for them and they're just like going to go murder Conan now because they were like looking at all these photos of identical dogs? Well, no, but maybe Conan was going to, you know, find someone else afterwards, you know, maybe that was like not the end of his career. And now Conan has to retire early, maybe. Oh. I'm actually really, yeah. That really got me. I didn't like that. Yeah, the dog is, might have to retire now. Yeah. So now bad guys are going to see him and know him as a famous dog and run away early instead of it having like a spy cover. Yeah. And just to be a dog. Mm-hmm. I just get really lost in language that Trump uses. He says, he also tweeted something. You know, he thinks Daily Wire for the image, which I guess he's admitting that it was a doctored image. And he's then he says he always sort of backtracks, you know. He says, "Oh, things are a joke." Oh, it was very funny, you know. It's like very cute. Um, so he says it's very cute recreation, but the quote live unquote version will be leaving anyway. Just it's, it just feels so. He deals in such metaphysical terminology in his Twitter, and it's it's say more really fireside metaphysics mm-hmm. live live dog as opposed to the Photoshop dog. <laughs> That's right. The secret dog, the not secret dog. He like lets him out of the lets him out of the bag. He puts him back into the bag. Yeah. Yes, something. Yeah, classifies, declassifies. It's like he classifies or declassifies his own tweets somehow as well. It's just yeah. I just don't. I feel like we live in a giant riddle these days. <laughs> it's like a crossword puzzle, puzzle, and I have to like pierce yeah. piece things to get pierce things to piece them together. Yes. So confused. I have to send my screenshots to everyone now. Yes, do it. Yeah, he's also like a bad magician, you know, he who is. just like pulls out the wrong thing at the right time and then says the wrong thing at the right time about it. And then you yeah. don't realize that you're watching the weirdest magic trick ever, but then everyone claps anyway. It's like this very upside down. You know, that's a really, really apt description because when he, 
you know, in these images, so there's in in the Guardian, there are two images side by side, and one is, you know, Trump holding the blue ribbon with metal in front of the medic, and the one next to it is in front of the dog. But it's you know, he's just <laughs> magical ribbon that he holds, and it's like what's beyond the ribbon, you know, and then beyond the ribbon, behind the ribbon, we're facing the ribbon. So what's behind? This is like well, that's where magic. This thing to yeah, so, ta-da. Dog. Exactly. Um, I want to cut the ribbon. It's going to be like a welcome, welcome oh. to the magic house. It's also interesting that Twitter's, you know, has like, I think Twitter has kind of a blue aesthetic in my mind, and then the ribbon is also blue. So I'm not sure if that oh. means anything, but maybe. Maybe. Let's put it on the list. The dog also obscures half of Trump's face. So it's, oh, that's also interesting. Oh, yes. I found an article about DNA and crime, and I think it's very interesting. I always find myself forcing people to get in conversations with me about DNA because my mom is a DNA researcher, sort of, Mm. and a genealogist. So she's really good at getting people to give her their DNA. I like DNA as a hobby. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, she's very interesting. Like, she is one of the most earnest people I've ever met and a very scientific person. And and she really does want to help people build their family trees and discover ancestors and things. And part of that is understanding this exact GED match, um, this DNA database that if you you know do the 23andMe swab or whatever swab and then you send it in, you'll get mm-hmm. a computer readout of your genes. And if you put that in a GED match, then you'll connect different aspects of your family tree will come out in that. Mm. It's it's basically, I've, I think I've seen it and it's, you know, another Excel spreadsheet kind of situation. Yeah. And it's been really useful to her for a really long time. But over the years, people started to get more skeptical about people getting their DNA for various reasons, but nobody had started to use DNA in a way that was overtly a disrespect of their privacy. It does feel like someone takes your DNA and has it on a database. It does feel like the possibility for that to be used badly is like very present, but mm-hmm. nobody had really done that. And then recently, um, I was aware that they used this database to track the uh, Golden State Killer. Yeah. And they found him. Yes. So the announcement of that, according to this article that was on NBC News, anyway, was that they started to use this a lot more and they solved lots and lots more crimes, 50 rapes uh, and homicides in 29 states. So it was just like this huge... Uh, influx of people were using DNA technology. Um, But there was so much backlash from users on the website that they changed their usability settings and they made it so that the police, you would have to elect to allow the police to use your DNA. And most people said no, because that was just literally like not okay with everybody. Well, right. What if you, you know, commit a crime in the future and then... That's right. Get busted. Yeah, so so the article is interesting because it's written from the crime solver's perspective and they're upset. They're like, wow, this was this great thing. And yeah, and we can't get our job done because we need all of this technology and we need everybody's DNA. Right, but if we're protective over our even digital footprint, then of course it makes sense that we would be, you know, protective of our biological. 
Right. Yeah. It's interesting too, that in this case, everyone, everyone feels, and I do too, and I don't know what the difference is, but you know, you feel very strongly about your, the future use of your DNA by an imaginary, you know, justice system 20 years from now. But I feel pretty much okay about, you know, my photos and screenshots and I don't have, oh, I guess I have to get it now, but I, I'm not overly, you know, concerned about my, you know, protection of like my photos, for instance, you know what I mean? Because I think we have an internalized, I think the idea of a fingerprint, you know, is very much kind of embedded. We know that like the body can be linked. Yeah. But maybe I think it still feels somewhat, even though I think it is, it is like kind of an an anatomical footprint, the digital one, because it it sort of comes from the mind, you know, it comes from the brain, you know, it really comes. Yeah. um, I think it is somewhat biological, but I think the circulation of that information somehow feels, you know, just simply just seems more removed. Yeah. And it just also seems the activity online also seems like it's not quite real, maybe. So, yeah, but of course it can be very real. Right. Yeah. I think that's where we're at right now. It's that sense that the actions don't really matter in the same way. Yeah, but they do. And we're starting to believe that more and more. So I guess this moves a lot us to the, uh, the nudes section of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Have you sent any nudes lately to people? Not lately, no. Oh. But I have done it in the past. I'm not sure that I was new. I was completely nude. I don't think I've ever been complete. I think that is a younger generation thing. That sounds like a lot to take all your clothes all the way off and then position a photo, which is hard anyway. I don't know. Well, you use <laughs> you can use a selfie stick for a more strategic I've been I've been sending some and it's interesting because the first couple I sent they had my face in them and then I was like oh no and yeah I somehow remembered about the fact that it can implicate me you're not supposed to have a face yes because you know if if things sort of go south or somehow somebody yeah gets you know they, they sort of they end up somewhere your head will disclose you so we must decapitate ourselves with when we use our selfie stick right yeah in order to have sex i mean <laughs> it's not mandatory but you know yeah and then, then it does kind of connect you know both the digital footprint and the anatomical one so it's good to dismember them actually that's funny when you said that because i went to the archaeological museum today here in athens and there were so many kind of decapitated or mm. limbs missing figures and yeah it's so striking one forgets how marvelous the greek antiques truly were but indeed they were yeah and the decapitation of the of statue was a big thing that would be done by uh, a yeah. traveling a group coming in to dominate that town or whatever indeed yes and hands as well heads and hands yes it was very symbolic yeah. right also the presence of male genitalia sorry but was was really inconspicuous yeah yeah they love that and the the genitalia themselves are always really strange <laughs> not to body not to body shame ancient Greece but what the fuck well they're very stylized I would say it's like you know I think it's clear that they had a perfect genitalia in mind you know and they were like it's yeah in a flaccid state it must look just so <laughs> disagree <laughs> and then disagree and we decapitate you yeah I guess maybe that's why they got decapitated. Um, one fun fact I remember from some historical stuff I was watching was um, one of the things they liked to do was chop off the head of the previous ruler and then bury it. In this case, they buried it under the nice. the door lintel of the town. What, and the new head grows? No. 
Yeah, yeah. But like they they wanted everyone to not only chop off the head. I think it was like Augustus to like chop off the head of the emperor, but they you would trot upon it repeatedly over the years, and that was their like big fuck you. But um, anyway, they were nude. That's true. That counts. Nude in politics. I mean, that's relevant. That's exactly what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So and yeah, we're suggesting people uh, chop their heads off in their nudes. Okay. So we recently had the Katie Hill scandal. Uh, do you want to tell our audience about that if they're not aware of it? Yes, if you're not aware, but California senator had to resign as a result of a tawdry publicity campaign, which involved her former husband releasing nude photos of her. And I guess there was also allegations of her um, being involved with a, with a female staffer. And so she resigned as a result of that, mm-hmm. the, the nude part is is terrible. But I don't know. Do you, how do you feel about being involved with people in the workplace that are okay now? <sighs> I don't know because, like, if I was a politician, I think yeah. it probably is not that cool. Right. But I mean, I really do feel fifty fifty about it. I think on one hand, it's like we should hold them to a higher moral standard, but on another hand, I'm kind of like, look, it's their personal life, and they can get through it and yeah. if it doesn't affect their work it's none of my damn business you know I do too I also think that people especially in politics they have such um, intense schedules and such intense kind of mm-hmm. lives that are very enmeshed you know with one another mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a natural environment for feelings to sprout and right. you know it's, it's <laughs> kind of hard yeah. if you're human not to have feelings and and then it's sort of you know I think the the allegations were you know there were some inappropriate again like it's it's these who who decides what's appropriate and what's inappropriate you know right and the double standard that's set for women so I mean there is I think yeah. some of this that is present in all of this talk about selfies and nudes and stuff in the articles that we're looking at right now really reminds me of some Me Too backlash and blaming blaming women for sending nudes and like describing how a woman shouldn't shouldn't have a nude photo and you know if it comes out it's their fault and so she having to resign because of this to me kind of like as long as there was consent on all sides this has you know this is fine but the the me too scandal was about lack of consent so it's like it's almost Mm -hmm. like she's held to this like completely crazy standard because of all of this other stuff about morality in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. But she didn't do anything wrong except for using her body in the public private sphere. And I don't think anybody's figured out whether or not that's okay or not nowadays, you know? Right. It's the the actual sending, you know? It was like Yeah. I do think that we also have like this parallel world, you know, of like the official obviously, especially in politics, you know, the, the sort of the official mantra, you know, what you're supposed to do then private what you're supposed to do. And everyone knows that that is you know, there's sort of different things. Everyone knows that, you know, falling in love sometimes just happens, you know, but yeah. the official dictum is that it must not and, you know, therefore it's wrong. And But, you know, and, and they think in right. private in private sphere, we're completely, you know, we're just like, oh, that just happens or you're just right. not supposed to talk about it. You know, there's just this kind of very clear divide now, I think, between that kind of the public persona you're supposed to present and the private. Um, mm-hmm. I actually don't think that they're, I feel like they're, moving further and further apart in some way, actually. Mm, interesting. Why is that? I think because we are um, increasingly kind of surrounded by rules about 
rules of conduct, essentially, you know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will go along with it publicly just because they don't want to mm-hmm. be called out or, you know, mm-hmm. have back Twitter backlash or be canceled, you know, but in private, they sort of say things that are, mm-hmm. yeah, just less couched and kind of... Right appropriate thinking or you know that are more problematic or you know and i mean that extends to kind of a variety of issues you know whether it's like right. me too movement or politics and trump or whatever you know? yeah it's a particularly fraught moment so the relationship between well and public behavior is increasingly more and more important i'll say and like and looked at very seriously and there's less room for error within it in the right. public sphere or something so so yeah, and the fact that we have this obvious like separation between the public and private world that we live in in our lives, it's like the phone kind of sits on this crossroads between the two. Right, and it makes and sometimes it just makes um the private stuff suddenly becomes public. So even though we try to sort of divide it into these right. two neat halves. Ah, oh, very interesting. Yeah, interesting. well does that make you want to modify your behavior we have this list of of 10 ways to send nudes more safely well i mean i think i just i just thought it was interesting that i i came across that because you know i arrived at it on my own ah. um yeah i think once you know once i sent there was just someone i text i was texting with someone i was seeing and um yeah and like the first photo i sent i just realized that my face was sort of recognizable. I mean, like it wasn't all there but it was quite recognizable and then from then on i just started sending more artful compositions mm-hmm. that you know only involved <laughs> non-face <laughs> thank goodness for art then you can yeah yeah exactly you can exclude your subjectivity i was inspired by greek sculpture <laughs> all, the, all the ways in which you can be suggestive yeah. <laughs> and not quite there in full in full mode and full body right well, so I can never send my ideal version of a of a nude, which would be me like doing a a lounge. What was who was the woman that I was always lounging in those painting like that painting by? Oh, the, oh, the Lesk. Yeah, there's always a the Lesk. Yeah, she's always there. No, but you can. I think you can. It just depends who you know. I think if it's if it's someone that you know really well, and also maybe you don't want to back it up, and you cl- I, you know iCloud, and you know you just want to be more selective with don't just send yeah don't send nudes to everyone in your contact list basically yeah okay i won't that would be weird yeah. um even if it's a really great odalisk i will not i won't um i don't know maybe in 10 years i'll be one of those like proud nude i'll be a proud nude yeah i mean there's also it's also kind of upsetting that nudes is such a you know that being nude is such a big deal you know like when yeah. when did that ever become you know it's just like i don't know it's really annoying actually like can we just abolish clothes already i do actually Ooh. think that sometimes sometimes i'll see people naked and then and i'm just impressed with like how much more suddenly attractive they seem somehow oh, yeah you know that's true the human body's beautiful it's true it's like clothes ruin it in a way because i think with clothes we have this idea of how they're sort of supposed to fit um again the composition you know and it, mm-hmm. and if the body somehow doesn't align with it but then you just sort of see it in it's fleshy you know, mm. realness and yeah it's way hot yeah it has its own it has its own symmetry with thin realness yes <laughs> Right. Aww, Fleshless realness. <laughs> Depending how I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Long live long live the nude then. I'm down. Indeed. Let's all get naked. Ha. 
Yeah, I want everyone to lay in that same pose of an of an odalisque, though. I don't like this thing with like, particularly like between men and women. There's like the idea of what a female nude is and what a male nude, yeah. nude is, and I don't True. I don't really get it. I know, actually, yeah, the male nude has to stand stand up, you know, like all the David sculptures in Apollo. You know, that's they right. Spread it's- their legs, stand, and you know, and then the woman just reclines, <laughs> crossed her legs, so you can't see her genitalia. The beautiful lotus. It's just quite more, yeah. more, a bit more beautiful than the hanging fruit. Right. Or, or you're penis. like, or you're standing in that very like V-shaped stance, which is like super uncomfortable and like, like um, what's it called? Like braced. There's like a braced pose, or there's like a very passive pose, and like, yeah, the male one is always like the headless, the headless six-pack situation. <laughs> well, there's actually um, a special pose in which you're supposed to pose, I think, as a woman, contraposto. And so what you're oh. supposed to do is you sort of tilt your hips to one side. And you insist, instead of sort of standing straight up like David or Apollo would as a woman, you do the contraposto. So you just sort of shift your hip, shift your shoulders, you know, so you're just kind of like a little bit at an angle. Mm. And apparently um, they did a study <laughs> they did a study and they <laughs> revealed that the contraposto <laughs> pose was apparently generated the most um, the most attraction or something. Ah, interesting. That is interesting. I think I do recognize that as a standard that people use. Yeah, there's something about like the hip to waist ratio and I think it Huh. I guess actually, actually, statues do that too. Yeah, but right, yeah, right. somehow, somehow it makes it makes the body look more dynamic or something. Hmm. And flowing, like there's this sense of like the flow of yeah. the human body that that it's like energetic. That there's like an energetic flow from here to there, which is very sensual. Yeah. Or like looking at something just like as a as an emoji that's just like sitting there that's flat. You know, it that doesn't have like a sensual quality. Because it's not in the world and in the body, you know. It's just sort of like, though, you know, they have their own charm in those contexts. Privacy of the nude. Yeah, so then this woman, uh, Ashley Fairbanks, wrote this nice article about how she wants to... She had a nude video that someone took of her, so, like, stole from her. And it's you know, she talks about how it's sexual abuse and it's like sexual abuse that this person took this video so yeah she wants to go into politics and she's making the conscious decision to do it even though she knows that this video is out there and i think that's really great it is yeah she makes this point that like the the crime is not in making the video the crime is in sending it out without her permission so it's like the problem here is not necessarily people sending selfies or nudes or whatever it's those who send them without permission. It's true. But does it apply to the text messages as well then? I don't because know. I'm definitely, I'm so guilty. I'm just suddenly having this pangs of guilt. Good. I mean, I think, I think that's okay. I think uh, it's really hard for people to do. So I think you're not alone in feeling like guilt about it. And it reminds me of like this Buddhist value of it's like, you know, the 10 moral values that people are supposed to follow just like in any religion. And it, it says, talking positively or negatively about anyone who is not present in you like currently present is they don't say it like it's a sin but they say you know you're not going to be truthful to that person's you know soul or whatever you're not going to be true to who they really are even if you talk about them positively which i find really interesting so it's like 
that like privacy and intimacy is about presence. And so you take them out of, you, you objectify them even positively, yes. you know, you're taking away their, their selfhood to so some extent. True. Yes. Yes. It's very and interesting to idea. To contextualize it as well. It's really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to, as a corollary, I recently heard something in one of my classes, my spirituality class, which I like to talk about here, um, about the possibility that, Oh, this is so crazy, and I regret mentioning it. But uh, the possibility that we could communicate—that uh, maybe if you know psychic energy really exists—my teacher posited the idea that there is a way that that certain people think that they could communicate with other people. But one of my favorite things that he said was that you ask consent. So if you oh, try to communicate yeah. with someone like through oh. the ether, you don't just say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking to you," because then if this if this is real, which I'm not sure it is. I hope it's not. It's like, then they'll just, that person will just enter your brain in this way that like you feel really, you know, overtaken. But like, wow. if you have this power, you should say, can I please communicate with you psychically? So, psychically, but you ask it psychically, I hope, or do you actually ask yeah. it? Okay, no. thank God. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so be scared. I was like, well, it's a, a weird my, last, my last sort of, you know, resort as to communicate psychically with someone, but if I have to ask them, then I'm pretty sure they will no. just shut down their mind. They will bring down the the sarcophagus yeah. around their brain. And that reminds me about how about a month ago when I was, you know, I was, I was really, um, I've been liking on and off someone. And I was just looking at them. It was a full moon and I was looking at it and they sent some messages to the moon. <laughs> To say, oh. If the other person is looking at the moon, I just I asked for the moon to send them the messages. So Aww, I <laughs> communicated that. through the moon. Um, That's but really I didn't sweet. ask anyone's permission. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Sorry. So maybe well, maybe by asking the moon to be an intercessor, you you know, allay maybe, the psychic yeah. a celestial power. body. Yeah. Next time I will text the moon and ask if it's okay to yeah. use her. <laughs> I wonder what she would say. <laughs> Let's hope she agrees. <laughs> yeah, she would. Maybe next time I'll send it through a tree, though. I'm not sure. Yeah, great idea. I'm not committed to the one. Well, actually, yeah. with the moon, though, it was, you know, there was a point there because I thought the other person would also look. And it is when they look, it's when the message will transmit. Oh, very interesting. What if that is why? I, I'm, I would like to research that, like how much people have used the moon in that way. I feel like they have. I definitely did as a child, I remember. I mean, I think a lot of us have that. I, wasn't that in a song where you, like, look up at the moon and then somebody else looks up at it and then that's like you're communicating across time and space? I'm not sure, but I can believe it, yeah. I definitely did that all the time when I was a kid. I would, like, stare at the moon and just, like, imagine my my some friend that I will meet someday is also looking up at it and, and that, like, sending oh, yeah. my love for that person. Yeah, we're united by, yeah, it's true, we're united by celestial bodies. Yeah. I used to look at the sky a lot, actually, too. Oh, I recently had this experience. Um, I was out with someone, and we were um, kind of having a, a nice romantic moment looking at the Acropolis and at the sky um, from this park. And there was a, um, you know, we were looking at the stars, and we were like, oh, what star is it? And... Um, 
the person I was with had an app, and then he pointed it up, and then he said, "Oh, but we can actually point it down as well because there's stars all around." And it was just oh. so shocking, you know, because wow. indeed we are just afloat in space, and there's stars above, on the side, and below, and you can point your phone in every direction and figure it out. Wow, wow, amazing! I didn't ever imagine that. Of course, the stars mm. below. Yes. That's so amazing. When is the full the next full moon? When is it? November 12th. Okay. So, on November 12th, let's all go outside and uh, send each other some messages. Yeah. But maybe ask permission, you know, from whoever first. Maybe. That's right. You don't want to affect others' mental privacy, psychic privacy. Yeah. Yeah. On that conclusive note, we sashay away. Yeah. <laughs> Into the night. Goodbye. 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 Bye. Bye.